Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Again, fellow basement dwellers, this is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com, where we encourage you to always use your head. The Chairshot.com, always use your head. And that new soundbite comes courtesy of PC Tony. I just wanted to sound like the rest of the Chairshot Radio Network and, and have both Platts. I'm sorry, well, not Platt, but, you know, uh, everyone involved with the Platt clan um, as part of, of the Chairshot um, family and, and part of the bandwagon. So we, uh, we're we going to be very news heavy this week uh, and much to probably uh, uh, Tony's disapproval based on the thumbs down he got when I asked about uh, who wants to talk about it. Maybe get a little political today just to touch, talk a little censorship. Uh, I got some issues and, uh, and I'm going to get a little soapboxy. Uh, we are we are three quarters of a bandwagon today. We are, of course, joined by the live studio audience, Mr. PC Tunney. How are you, sir? 
Ahoy, ahoy, Chips, ahoy. Uh, I got a chance to do a nice Royal Rumble preview show last night as we record on Sunday or listening Monday with one Ray Cash. And I got to tell you, you've done a psychological number on the fella. He had the power to remove us from the video on Restream as we were live if we didn't like what he, we were saying to him. And he got a little drunk with it. And I feel like it's overcompensation from him getting booed all the time on bandwagon nerds. So just letting you know, you're, uh, you're, you're, you, have, you have roots in his brain, sir. I'm all up in his head, all up in his gourd. Well, that is unfortunate for Ray. We are also joined by the lawyer himself, Mr. David Ungar. Dave, how are you? Welcome back. I'm going to call you Seth Rollins because you are living in Ray's head rent-free, apparently. So. Rent-free. Damn. Patrick. Skippy. Your new nickname is Patrick freaking O'Dowd. <laughs> that might stick. O'Dowd. I should, I guess, be a little worried about being walloped over and over with a chair. Uh, then, if, if that is the case, should I ever be in proximity of one Mr. Raymond S. Cashington Esquire, who is not here today? I know. Can you believe the guy not here today? He ditched us. But here's the funny thing. You know, we tried to get a replacement today. And, guys, I, I guess I'm not, I'm not feeling the love. Because uh, the reasons we got from our potential replacements, I, a little sad. We we got we got ditched for. I mean, we 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 were not um, at the same level of priority as a play date, whatever that means. It is also Aesop's birthday weekend, and a play date. Uh, he did work at, yesterday. He was on the pre-show. Oh, sorry. Uh, I, you know, you defend him if you'd like. You are the live studio audience. You're welcome to do so. I, uh, I, I need him to keep creating the content he does for us, sir. Fair enough, fair enough. Hey, well, and here's the other, but play date, birthday weekend, I I guess, I guess I kind of get that. Mirror shopping, really? Mirror shopping, that's what we got from one real C plat. That also, yeah, see, I'm with you, studio audience. I really am. I'm right there. Yeah. Put on some pants, Melon Farmer. That's right. Um, but no, we we will we will soldier on with the three of us next week. Uh, by the way, Dave is not going to be on the show, which is a rarity. And so, Tony, I'm, I'm not going to lie. You're going to have to record along with me, uh, given the spotty nature of my uh, of my uh, voice meter and its bad habit of eating itself in the middle of recordings i'm recording as of now so if, uh, at least hopefully you got oh, no, what we started with. No, no no this is this is for next week this week we're fine oh. Dave, Dave's, oh. Dave's this week but next week i need you to get my back yesterday true story while recording chair shot radio with dave nine seconds nine seconds in and then voice meter went just kidding well it, it's tough because you know you probably put it down into your out, out of sight right you probably have your foobar and your and your skype up but what i like to do is drag my skype screen up high enough and have that meter running so i can see it at all times to make sure oh, that that oh, number no, no, no. used to roll i have a i have a so half of the screen is the skype voice meter is the upper left 
and foobar our soundboard is is the lower left so i i do the havesies thing what where it gets me though is when i like we were i think it was i went to nhl.com because we were going to cover some articles and that's when i think i messed it up uh is that like i went over there i was having internet issues yesterday we had a blizzard during, like we recorded in the middle of a blizzard out here in New England. Uh, and so weather may have had something to do. I was having connectivity issues. There was all kinds of problems. So I'm, I'm sure we'll be okay, but having a backup recording is, is going to be helpful. Um, nice. Next week we'll have, we will have Aesop um, back though uh, for next week uh, to join us on the bandwagon. Terrific, terrific job last week, uh, everybody all around. Although Dave gave Ray way too much credit for things I put in the bandwagon nerds chat as that Ray broke and not news that I broke. And um, so I, I get it. Ray, Ray floods the DMs. And so I, I guess you just assumed all the news was, was coming from Ray Cashington, but uh I, I was a little hurt. I, I was a little hurt. You know, I can't keep track of all this stuff, man. Ray, yeah, exactly. Ray floods our inbox with so much stuff that I just assume it's all him. Sorry, well, Pat- and- sorry, Patrick. I publicly apologize and prostate myself before the nerd court. Uh, please, nerd I court. don't care about your prostate, but if you prostrate, which is what you should do, because prostate, that's like the, that's the thing where you the doctor does the yeah. reach around yeah, exactly. And feels exactly no no i don't want your prostate you can prostrate which is get down on your knees and acknowledge me as the godfather yeah. of oh. um, getting down oh. on the knees thing okay anyway let, let's let's move today, on apparently. let's move on i i am i am drunk with power apparently. look what happens today. look what happens when ray's not here to be picked on I guess so here i think what got me was when you were talking about the boys animated trailer spinoff and i was like i shared that you son of a bitch like that was like, <laughs> I even credit anybody? i don't even know if i credit any credited anybody for that one you, you credited ray for like everything that's all i'm gonna say and and it's fine we all we all get it i know he got some cheers while i was out let's make it for that as well uh, just because he's got that but, uh, he's got that fragile uh, ego pat so he needs that affirmation does it does he though like does he i mean i i whatever i guess you know it is what it is we are we are where we are and today we are going to discuss um the penultimate episode of the witcher we're gonna do that first then we like i said we have tons of news around the nerdosphere to cover today we have uh News. We, we've got both Marvel and DC news. We've got more actors jumping on the anti-vaccination craze and doesn't really mean anything anymore at this point. Some potential stories. And then, of course, like I said, I'm going to get a little preachy and soapboxy on the back half of the show. But before we get into any of that, we we're going to we're going to do what we've been doing and, and toss a coin. OK, toss a coin to your witcher. Oh, Valley of Plenty. Whole Valley of Plenty, oh, toss a coin to your witcher, Whole Valley of Plenty. And boy, everything seems to be converging, right? In this this episode of, of The Witcher, as we, we finally get a reveal as to kind of what the big bad is 
uh, this woman in the woods who we kind of figured was the big bad. Uh, and she's been slowly feeding off of, I guess, basically the misery of others. She's like it, right? Like she's fe- feeding off of fear and woe uh, until she rises to a point where she has power. She wanted Siri. It turns out she didn't need Siri because we just, you know, murder an elf baby. And, and that anguish and grief was enough to, to bust her out. The ever roller, uh, the uh, the never ending roller coaster that is Geralt and Yennefer's relationship took another dip as Geralt figures out that Yennefer was taking Siri to this entity that I can't remember its name. The Deathless Drink. Mother. The Deathless Mother, so that she could get her her magic back. Uh, of course. This comes on the heels of Yennefer and Ciri having an understanding that they both love Geralt in different ways. Uh, Ciri actually admitting that Geralt has been a father to her more more so than any father she's you know father figure she's had, and her basically calling Yennefer out for for being like, yeah, you love him. It you know it's it's clear you love the dude, uh, and so of course that means that Geralt has to hold a sword to her throat and be mad at her and never forgive her. Yeah, uh, I think you got it. And and then Fringilla, you know, boy, she, uh, she went dark side. Well, I mean, she was already kind of dark side. She just reasserted dark side by murdering anyone in her path because uh, she was starting to ha- lose her, her tenuous control. And so she straight up murdered a bunch of generals, leaving but one man alive. Uh, everybody's favorite general. Um, again, um, I'm going to forget his name too. Tahir. So, Tahir. Uh, thank you. Yeah, interesting how she spared Everywhere. him though, right? I mean... Well, she needed one. Yeah. She, she lays it out there. She's like, I need one. You're, you're going to be my one. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. Whew. I mean... And at the very end, it looks like the Deathless Mother may or may not have possessed Siri. Probably not... A good thing. Yeah, here's the thing is you kept talking about like she's gonna be a badass. She's not gonna be a badass in a good way. It's not looking good. <laughs> like no. No. I, I, I'm not liking where we're going here, Dave. Yeah, it's uh it this this was a, a really another solid episode. The back half of season two <clears throat> I feel has been a lot stronger than the front half. And has really picked up the pace and, and made up for a little, you know, a little slow at the beginning. Now we're in a, like, I, I think last week I said, told Tony, we're in a full sprint to the finish line and that didn't slow down this week. But yeah, the, uh, Geralt, uh, basically, you know, coming very close to taking Yennefer's head off and then stopping short of that because he does love her too. And he knows there's gotta be some reason for it. And at the end, they do seem to be allied, um, because he forces her. Yeah, he forces her right. to say the incantation that transports know, like, them. Yeah, that transports them to the realm of the Deathless Mother. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, shit, this hut's got fucking legs and this thing is gone. So, Dave, I got a, I got a real question for you. Which Henry Cavill turns you on more? Is it deep, oh. gravelly voiced Geralt threatening Yennefer or is it Superman Henry Cavill being sort of whimsical and happy which which one makes your loins stir because we know you love him <laughs> <laughs> Tony, I would, if i had this is why 
go to a Twitch stream right yeah. there. <laughs> if I had to answer that, which you know I would reluctantly answer that, I, it's got to be Superman because it, it's Superman. So you know, but I do like you know, Geralt is a. I mean, they're very different characters, obviously. <laughs> God damn, I love I love that you were like you you full, went all in on that answer and almost went to how you know. Witcher Geralt turns you on to it's it's all right is is the missus threatened by this is Mrs. the lawyer threatened by your love of uh Henry Cavill she uh she's very well aware of my uh let's say sexual proclivities so she's not she's not worried Henry at all Pat she embraces okay. it yeah by the way we also got a long awaited uh, awaited reunion between Geralt and Yasker which was so cute cuz he was like I'm mad at you but I'm still going to hug you cuz I he he loves Geralt as well and I was like I actually while watching was like oh that's so sweet Geralt said he missed him too so that was that was all good Yeah everybody bonded Tony I've been talking over you uh what were your thoughts what you what do you think of this episode Like Dave said the second half of this uh, season is really redeeming itself. Finally, we got Geralt and, and, and Yaskier together. So that was made me happy. I thought that's really what made me like the show in the first place. So that interaction of those characters, like we talked, like I talked about all season, it became such more of a grander scope that I'm just not really into outside of the development of these characters and their quests, but everything else around them makes it a complete story. So it was nice to see that interaction it's getting interesting. It's getting fun. And yeah, the house sprouting legs was fucking awesome. Um, it seems like the essence of that witch now is in Siri as well. That is not good. Didn't, didn't, uh, did Firefucker, did he take the uh, mutagen or who did he give that? He gave that to somebody or did he take it himself? I thought the, Fire. He t- did, did he take it? By the way, Firefucker, really guys? Yeah, that's three. <laughs> This is what, ha- this is what happens when I'm gone is shit like Firefucker becomes the name of an oh. episode. Right, like, oh, well, that way, okay. I was going to say, we didn't make that up. It's uh, from the show. (laughs) I was like, I know where it came from. I listened to the podcast. By the way, if there was any any reason for me to fear dwarves, um, this episode also reinstituted my, like, those guys were badass. Uh, So it's a secret. My fucking favorite. I just, okay, I can't remember which one did it, but one of them, like, put an axe in a soldier's chest and another one followed up with a hammer to like drive it through. And that was some beautiful visceral violence. Mm-hmm. Was it not? Oh yes. Just, uh, blood spatters. I, I was, I was mildly terrified. Yeah. They weren't, uh, they were not to be trifled with. That was for sure. But, yeah, uh, you should, keep, they should keep them along. Like this is the thing I don't understand about the witch. Why do they keep letting everybody part ways? Like just gather, gather your troops. Do your thing. Yeah. Instead, we're like, oh, we got to go to the Citadel and look up history. Bye. <laughs> Strength in numbers, but we'll see you later. Right. What's going on here? So, um, yeah, and I guess we're going to have to try and save Siri. If you look at the title of, of next week's episode, for us, I know you if you've binged watched at this point, um, no, there's one episode left. We got one. Oh, there's only eight. There's only eight. Eight, eight, eight episodes. This is the penultimate episode. This is the next to last. Kind of happy about that. What are we covering next? We are not covering something because kind of I kind of kept it quiet. But it, as Dave pointed out a couple weeks ago, it's been about a year since the project. 
Yeah. It might be project time. Uh, Aesop doesn't know this yet, so he's going to have some homework to do too when I message everybody. But it's time to it's time to cover another decade until we get to March when Moon Knight hits. So we will be doing the first decade of the new millennium, the 2000s, the aughts, 00 to 09. Guess we can go to 10. So Dave's smiling. Uh, no. Over there. No. Oh, go to 10. Oh, oh, to 09. I know some of you guys, you know, people get crazy. But, so. but that's 10 years. It is. Aughts. We will be doing the aughts. Um, we will not be calling it the aught project, though. That is. Oh, that is, not. Oh, Aesop won't have to do the homework because he's just covering the episode. So it'll be because it'll should be. I say, or should I say, why not? Oh, He'll be here next week, everyone. So the 2000s project. Awesome. There you go. Just for you, Tony. Yeah. Yeah. So we. It's time to get Audi. This this is like the Boston project. Is that what we're doing? You know, as a father, I can appreciate a good bad pun and a dad joke, but Jesus Christ, man, come on, come on. But anyway, yes, next week we will be, you know what, fuck it, we are going to make Aesop do some homework because we're going to finish The Witcher and then we're going to start the the art project next week. Yeah, I love that. So next week, where do we want to start? Because our categories, we've always done family films, which we, you know, we might want to save for Ray because he'll want to do Fern Gully 2000. We'll need to, we'll need to maybe, uh, we could do sports films. We could do, uh, you know, comedies I like to save towards the end because that's kind of our wheelhouse. Um, I, think there, I mean, we always use, we do, we usually start with sci fi, fantasy, or yeah, horror. Sci fi, fantasy is what we've started sci-fi. the 80s and 90s with. Then that's what we're doing next week. Next week, the art project begins with the science fiction fantasy films of the first decade of the 2000s. There you have it. You heard it here first on uh, on this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. And, and this feels like as good a time as any to head into our first commercial break. When we come back, we will jump into some news around the nerdosphere Uh I, I forgot to mention this, but before we do that, I'm gonna get some. I'm gonna get something else off my. I got a lot of things on my chest. I gotta get off my chest today, Dave. I'm gonna get something off my chest about the book of Boba Fett when we come back. I got a lot of problems with you people, and now you're gonna hear about it. That's right, you are. So stay tuned for that. We come back a little book of Boba Fett, and then some news around the Nerdosphere Part One. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Why should you visit thechairshot.com? Thechairshot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. All right. Welcome back, everyone. As Tony noted, I got a lot of problems with some people and today you're going to hear about it. I titled the first bullet on our return from commercial break. Dave, did you have a chance to read it? Did you read the rundown? Yes, I did. Tony, you read the rundown? Yes, sir. I always do our homework, Patrick. Come on now. Sometimes. Well, I know I know Tony does because if you don't send him a rundown, he sends you a message at like 7 o'clock in the morning on Sunday being like, I'm having breakfast and don't have a rundown. He's a creature of what habit. He can't, he can't operate without one. You asked me where I was this morning at George Webb's breakfast, reading the rundown. And the title of this bullet, number four on our rundown, we have to talk about this week's episode of The Mandela, The Book of Boba Fett. So we are going to do that. We are going to go against type because I've been very adamant about not talking about a show that we're covering in the nerd review. But I kind of feel like we have to this time around because – The Book of Boba Fett, which Dave and I have been covering uh, over on our version of the Nerd Review, still waiting on uh, your review for this week, um, and and I look forward to getting it. Um, And to say that Dave and I have been in different places regarding this show, oh yeah, I'm needling, because the goal was to get the episode that is currently airing out before the next one goes, but we're off pattern, and so it's, it's a struggle. The struggle is real. And I get it, you're busy, man. You know, there's a lot of Washington area sports to be disappointed in, like... I understand. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. It's just that's he's, funny. He's not wrong. I mean, it's kind yeah, of it's like funny, it's like it's being true. a Bears fan or something. I mean, it's it's uh, a rough it's a rough life. Man. See, but see, we've made our peace with being terrible. Ooh, here we go. Anyway, yeah, we need DP <laughs> to, to play the actual sound bites, but very nice Homer Simpson on your part. But here's the thing. Okay, so the book of Boba Fett has actually critically, if you look around and, and look at other sites' reviews, it's been getting herky jerky up and down reviews like some people have have enjoyed it for what it was some people have had big problems with it this guy uh and then there's some people like dave who give okay episodes five stars um because it's just better than the first three episodes that have been aired before uh you you are the paula abdul of the nerd review and you know that and i'm the simon cow like i think everybody knows this i'm the east german judge nine times out of ten which is why I still, for the life of me, can't understand how you only gave Clue 
three and a half stars. That's shameful, and you should be embarrassed with your, uh, with, with your ratings. Um, but this week's Book of Boba Fett episode, as as an episode of television, was one of the most entertaining episodes that the series has aired. The problem is Boba Fett's not in the episode at all because it's not an episode of the Book of Boba Fett. It's basically a de facto early season premiere of the Mandalorian. And the, like, I will say this forever. And when you read my review, I actually rated the, I actually rated the episode twice. I rated it once as a standalone episode and liked it a lot. Really, really good episode. And then I rated it in regards to the series and rated it low because this episode tells me that even the people who are behind producing and putting the show out there know that they don't have a compelling story to tell with Boba Fett and know that people are much more interested and invested in what's going on with Din than they are with Boba Fett and his rise to power. And so I had a, I just, I, it's a great episode. It doesn't make sense for the series. Go ahead, Tony. Have they decided, is there going to be a second season of Boba Fett? Have they talked about that? Honest to God, don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen anything. What if this is just one season to support the Mandalorian story, right? Like, okay, Boba Fett's not in this episode, but he's connected three ways. One, Mando kills the fucking dude that was probably not going to, uh, keep the you know uh, peace treaty when the war happens or whatever or you know stay away from it. the one boss that uh, committed to staying in the middle right he kills that guy and and unknowingly that it's going to help boba fett right that's the kind of the beginning part of the episode two fennec shows up and three it that's fucking boba fett's money and yet it really was more about i guess you got these three so you got these three little sort of tidbits of how they you know sort of helped Boba Fett most of the episode though was spent following Mando as he tried to learn how to use the dark saber gets kicked out of his own clan is lost like he so, misses Grogu <coughs> but, but but what you saw of, of Mando in that episode is going to help you understand probably what's going to happen here with with him helping Boba Fett otherwise you'd probably sit here and go well what how did all that fucking change and happen right I thought it was really interesting the kind of way that uh, the other two Mandalorians he found um, underneath the whole space city, right? I mean, that was pretty sweet. And apparently there's only three of them left. Now, was Sasha Banks and those others, those weren't actual Mandalorians, were they? Or like New Age Mandalorians? Or what was that? I'm not a pick connecting here. It's a different different. Yeah. Because you hear Mando asks uh, the armorer about About Bo-Katan, about Bo-Katan and and whether she really has a legitimate claim to the Darksaber. So, you know, you do get into that whole aspect of lore, which is, I think, taken from Rebels, if I remember correctly. Yes. Mm -hmm. Star Wars Rebels is where um, Bo-Katan acquires the Darksaber briefly, uh, but actually gives it up, like gives it up because she didn't win it in combat. And And that's a big deal. It's. But well, there's a curse associated with the one who carries it that doesn't win it in battle. I I really wanted to see because I thought this was a real opportunity for the Boba Fett story, and this I think this is ultimately where my my problem is. Is and I said this to Dave uh, off air yesterday when we were getting ready for Chairshot Radio. So I really liked Episode Four 
in in terms of just where like if if see if the if the story had started with the fourth episode and gotten rid of like dances with sand people and gotten rid of it's I'm sorry it's tropey and racist and it's terrible uh but if they if they had limited that storyline minimized it instead of making it this weird huge thing about the only thing I liked about Dances with Sand People was the fact that they uh, that he failed. Like he didn't. He actually wasn't a savior oh, in the end. It's kind of funny because you and Platt couldn't be more opposite of people, at, yet at the same time, you guys are so 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 much alike. I know that's why we get along so great on the radio. And and here's and here's the thing is so you have this episode where he sends Phoenix Shand off. To go get someone. And Dave even postulated in his previous review, oh, she's probably going to go find Mando. Like, that was that was the prediction. Congratulations, Dave. You were right. It wasn't really that hard to see. No. You have to No, that's not bad. That's not a bad thing. Like, I'm not saying nothing that to Dave, Dave. Nothing. No, it was, <laughs> it was Royal Rumble episode five. Which one was more predictable? I leave that but, for the listener. Predict- predictability isn't necessarily a bad thing. And I think that sometimes people, if you want to know why something succeeds, sometimes it's because they're predictable and they know what works. But here, here was my big problem. So you have this opportunity now where Boba without his number one, cause, cause Fennec off to go find help. You had an opportunity for there to be a real problem that Boba had to face kind of on his own without Fennec in his back. And you and also maybe get me on board with some of the other characters uh, like Kershik. I can't pronounce. How do you pronounce that dude's name? Black like yeah, that name. The Wookiee. The Wookiee. Wookie. Yes, the Chrysanthemum, um, as, as I think Tony said. Over there. Like or or here's the thing or the 1950s biker greaser cyber people that I, I made fun of. Like it was just to me, it was an opportunity to really have Boba have a struggle on his own and maybe he's cornered or stuck in a spot and you in that episode with Mando and Fennec showing up to help out and really it just, it took a series that's supposed to be about a guy that a character that people say they want to follow and really made it mostly, mostly about Boba or about uh, the Mandalorian, the Mandalorian season three premiere. Cause it was, I think it was all about his, his own personal. I think you're just hung up on that one thing. And I think you, if you just let it go, let it be what it is, it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. It's it's a, it's an episode. Okay, it's like, okay, I'm going to do a wrestling comparison. It's like we crowned a champion and then had a job like seven times in non-title matches and tried to convince us that he's important. Like, that's my problem is, is that this is supposed to be Boba Fett's story. And then we went completely away from it. That. I don't think there's a lot of people that have the same opinion as you. And that's okay. They're wrong, but that's okay. Anyway, so that was my, and, and I, again, I want to reiterate, I liked the episode. I was entertained. I was Star Wars entertained. It was great. Showed great depth and character development that should have been on the season premiere of The Mandalorian. I think this series really should be what Tony suggested on last week's episode that it's a that it should just have been a movie like a direct 
to Disney Plus movie and you trim some of the fat out of these six episodes because this feels like to me and I, I will own that to me some of this feels like a chore uh, and just feels like it could have been done more succinct. Uh, sure. And, and, and is, it, I just feel like this story could have been more succinct, could have been more compelling. And I feel like even John Favreau, writer of all these episodes, agrees because he included a, a script and they brought back Bryce Dallas Howard, Howard to direct an episode of The Mandalorian in the midst of a different show. Dave, your rebuttal. Uh, not so much as a re- rebuttal, really. I, I mean, I think you could, you, the show would have been better titled This Is The Way rather than The Book of Boba Fett because you're really telling a story that's bridging both series right now. But you, you're you not wrong that as far as an episode of The Book of Boba Fett, this probably fails. But as an episode of The Mandalorian, it's tremendous. And I, I think, you know, you know, there's so much good about this episode that it overrides the fact that yeah, Boba's not in it, but really, you know, this, this was, I've called this, you know, the season premiere of Mandalorian season three, or you can call this Mandalorian season 2.5 if you want to as well, because that's what this episode was, but it, it's a great episode because you get a lot of lore about the dark saber, which is important, um, you know, about how, how difficult it is to wield that. There's a lot of fan service in this thing. The new, the brand new ship is awesome. Um, you get to see him run through the the pod racing course in the prequel, Beggars Canyon from the from uh, the original. That was trilogy. Great. It was it was it, there was a lot of really good fan service, and I know there's a delicate balance because I know like Pat, you've been critical of J.J. Abrams of doing fan service just for the sake of doing it. This didn't right. feel overdone to me. This was like, oh, that's that's cool that they're doing that, and that ship is awesome, especially when he jumps. Uh, to hyperspace with no warm up or anything like that. Uh, that was really cool. So it is a great episode of the Mandalorian as to why they did it here, as opposed to you could have put this season premiere of, ep- uh, uh, of uh, season three, nobody would have complained at all about it, but they obviously feel like they want to do a jump start. And now here's the thing. The problem I have now going forward is that nobody is going to give a shit about Boba Fett in episode six, because we know where Mando's going. We're going to go see Grogu and everybody wants to see what's going on with him. And, you know, are they going to bring back the CGI Luke Skywalker? We're obviously going to the Jedi temple. You got to figure that this is like a, a, a prequel to Mandalorian season three right now. So I think that's doing a disservice to like you're saying, Pat disservice to Boba Fett. Cause no one cares what's going on with Boba in episode six. Because we want to see what's, is Grogu okay? Is Luke there? Is Kylo Ren at the Academy, which is something we speculated at the end of season two as to, is he there with him? And we know how that's not going to end very well. So it's, it's a great episode of the Mandalorian. Yes. Not so good of an episode of the book of Boba Fett because he's not in it at all. That's my take on it. By the way, hold the phone, David Ungar and Patrick O'Dowd agreeing over the book of Boba Fett. Yes. How long was that? Uh, how long was that episode? 45 it was an hour. Minutes. 
Right. Well, it, it was a, an hour of great Star Wars it, it, it lore was, storytelling was, and nothing I'll, I'll else you, about man, it and where it's classified and what the fucking title is I, and who was in it and who smoked crack with their grandma in their dude, fucking basement yeah. doesn't fucking matter to I, me. I did not expect. Uh, uh, Toddy, I love you. Yeah, I did not. I mean, I don't think any of us expected like in the very opening scene where the Mandalorian comes into the meat locker and it's like, oh, Jesus, there he is right there. And then as the episode went on, you're like, I, like wow, they're really good. This is an episode of the, I, I even made the comment to my wife. This is an episode of Mandalorian. I'm fine with that. I mean, are you sure it wasn't an episode of Rocky, Patrick? They did have the meat locker with the fucking I cows mean, hanging down there. Like, what are they doing a rock episode of Rocky for in Boba Fett? Now, since you're trying to be ridiculous with your apples and pomegranates comparison, I'm going to walk <laughs> away from this conversation and move on to a show that I think we can all agree on. Um, but not directly, because we were told very explicitly that certain folks uh, on this program have not yet watched uh, episode five of Peacemaker. We're actually not going to talk about the episode itself. We are going to talk about some news that came out of the show. And that is reports are that James Gunn got in a green light and is eyeing a second Suicide Squad spinoff series for HBO Max. And that and that Peacemaker has a really good chance for a season two. I think it's got a better than really good chance at a season two. I like I five episodes in. I'm enjoying this thoroughly. I'll probably watch it a second time with the misses because when Mrs. O'Dowd is actually like, huh, that doesn't look terrible. I might be interested in watching that. That's a win. Well, what you just said right there is is even more reason and maybe the reason it gets another or two more seasons. If you have people that aren't necessarily that way, but they have someone in their life that does, and they're like, oh, you, I like this, that's automatically, you know, multiple segments of society you're hitting uh, home runs with. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, it's 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 good stuff. It's good stuff. I, I, I've been watching it on the laptop so because the little odout obviously can't like i can't watch one of them and they're still like there's it's it's one of those where i repeat jokes like somebody makes a joke and i repeat it out loud uh there there are moments where i'm just like oh shit like when he you know blows up a woman with a sonic boom helmet like that's like it's just it's brilliant stuff and it's really really good so it doesn't surprise me at all and i think hbo would be foolish to not keep this thing going John Cena making himself a star in a big, big way. The the other spinoff has got to be King Shark, right? Like it's got to be. Probably, is it? Probably. It? I agree. I, what about the Rainbow what? Circle guy? He died. Did he? I thought he would. I thought he was the one of the guys that lived. No, he gave himself. He sacrificed himself to. to uh, yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know. Like, right. we, we watch a lot of shit, Patrick. King Shark but would make see, the most sense. True, true nerds remember mundane details. You're just I'm you're just on panel. just in different ways than you are. Just because I'm a fucking episode of Mandalorian in a season of Boba Fett doesn't mean I'm not affected. <laughs> Six in one, half dozen in the other, sort of. Not exactly. So what? Who, who did the? Who did? Who did King Shark's voice again? Stallone. Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester well, Stallone. Voice of King Shark. Uh, I just don't like the way they play King Shark there because King Shark is brilliant and they made him stupid. Right. Well, and that was going to be my next question is uh, for anybody who's ever watched the Harley. I've watched the Harley Quinn cartoon and they have a variation of King Shark in there and he's like a computer programmer uh, and is it is highly intelligent. Uh, you've 
was has King Shark made an appearance in like one of the CW shows? Is that where I, I'm assuming your background comes from? Yeah, Flash is that lots of yeah, right, right. right. Episodes. Like season two, multiple He's in like seasons season two that I remember. Yeah, multiple seasons. Yeah. And so I guess my question is, and Tony's already answered from his end. Smart King Shark, Dave. Do you think a dumb King Shark series works? I never looked at him in the Suicide Squad movie as dumb as opposed to just kind of simple, you know, that sort of thing. What's the difference? Well, I mean, right. I I think, you know, (laughs) I think of like Forrest Gump as dumb versus simple, that sort of comparison. He just kind of was very basic. Uh, I, I, you know, they could they could use the series to kind of flesh that character out and show that, hey, maybe he's smarter than we're letting on and that sort of thing. Um, you, you know, you look at the rest of the cast of the Suicide Squad from the movie, um, you know, the the newest one, not the 2016 one. Sure. You're, you're not going to. Yeah, you're not going to do a Harley series because I don't think Margot Robbie will go for it. You're not going to do a Deadshot series. I don't think Idris Elba's got the time for it. So you look at. Okay. James Bond now. Yeah, so. exactly. So you look at you look at everything else going on and saying, well, you know, if you're going to do a spinoff, eh, maybe Polka Dot Man well, might be fun. <laughs> he died oh, in he the died? show. He died too. It could be a prequel series. It could be a prequel series. Yeah, it could be a prequel. Yes, it could be a Polka Dot prequel. There polka you Dot. There's your show title. Um, but as far as peace. <laughs> peacemaker getting the second or third oh yeah i, I mean it, it it the show is way more fun than it has any right to be and you know john Cena is absolutely killing it and it's it has been very enjoyable that opening scene with the uh you know do you want to taste it it's just it just gets stuck in your head when you hear it and, and you know you know throw your dog the invisible bone right tony yes uh, toss yes. a coin to your witcher your... throw your dog and the invisible throw... bone Throw your lover the real one. <laughs> uh, nice. So yeah, I think, like I said, without a doubt, it, it's going to happen. It's it's, I, I it's, and I think that this is a show that probably goes a few seasons, three or four, if if they can kind of keep that momentum. Going. What I really hope, what I would love to see, is a Peacemaker Doom Patrol crossover at some point in time. Those two crossover would be That's- hilarious. That's not outside the realm of possibility. No, I don't think um, so. That's, that's that's not you know a trip to Crazy Town. Unlike what our unlike our next topic, which is a trip to Crazy Town, as Ray shared this one, credit where credits due. From the direct, we have another MCU actor who has created a stir amongst the the Twitter base, as Evangeline Lilly was. S- she attended an anti-vax uh, event protest. Uh, I think I'll come back to this later. Well, and I, am I, I here's my thing is this is news because now, of course, there's this evangel like the title of the article, I think, is, is bullshit. Like Evangeline Lilly's status in the MCU is now in question because she's anti-vax. Sorry, if you're not going to fire, um, shoot, um, Letitia Wright, right. like, like Evangeline Lilly's, she's going to stick around. So my question to you guys, this is a story, yes, but is it a story? Dave? Well, I mean, according to the article, what she's saying is, is she's not, it's not so much anti-vax as, as she is just 
vaccine mandates that she seems to be um, opposing. And, okay. and I mean, I, you know, we're all, we've all talked about it to a limited extent. We're all, you know, saying of the mindset, yeah, get the vaccinations. They help protect you. Um, you know, I, I don't begrudge anybody who says it shouldn't be forced down my throat. So if she wants to take the stand and says mandatory vaccinations should not be, a, should not be a thing. I don't see that as big a deal as somebody coming out and saying the vaccines are all bullshit. They don't work. You shouldn't take them because of X, Y, and Z. Right. So to me, it's a little, if that's what she said and that's the stand that she took, um, I, I can, not that I agree with her, but I can, I can support her right to feel that way in that, in that sort of capacity, as far as this stuff being mandated. Okay. That that's where you start getting into, you know, you start crossing some lines and some things like that. But um, as far as the long reaching effect on this thing, I, you know, we just went through a whole episode a few weeks ago where we kind of retracted some of what we thought about Letitia, Wright. Oh, this is going to be the end of her in the MCU. And it turns out, no, it wasn't. And, you know, they Marvel was smart DC or Martin, not DC Disney and Marvel let things kind of settle down and die down. And I think this will probably go the same way. And, you know, that that's my thoughts on it. It just what she actually supported and what she actually said seems to be a little bit different than just a flat out line in the sand. I'm anti-vaccination because this one's got a qualifier to it. Right. I think I think that's definitely that. I think that we are so primed now to react when these sort of news stories pop up in very specific ways that, that it, it does lose sight a little bit of, of what the real, like what they really said and what they're really doing now. Um, and I, I just don't see like Marvel kept her is going to keep her. They're going to keep Leticia right. They're going to keep Evangeline Lilly uh, unless Evangeline Lilly goes all, um, Oh gosh, Gina Carano on you. Carano. If she goes all Gina Carano, then that that's a different sort of liability and has nothing to do with your vaccination status and has everything to do with, you know, calling your boss a bunch of oppressors and, and acting like you're being like blackballed oh, from the industry or then, something. Then let's just hope she doesn't get lost, right? But um Ching. Dave, I swear to God, these jokes. My God. Yeah, he's patting himself on the back. Hey. Please, PC, PC Horowitz. There you go. He sure is. All right. Let's get to our last uh, story on this before we get to our next commercial break. One that I, I I don't know if I buy, but I might buy. And that is it's coming from the insider. And it's Tom Holland basically speaking. Um, saying that he doesn't know if he's going to play Spider-Man again. I I mean, I do, think... Do we believe it? I believe it. I, I mean, you I believe... That, you think that's the end of Tom Holland as Spider-Man? No, no, I think, I think he, him Is saying... the end of that? Him saying he doesn't know whether he's coming back or not. I buy that. Yeah, I, I think that right now there's a lot of stuff that probably still needs to be worked out. Um, he has could, been well, in six of them so far. Sorry. No, Go ahead, Tony. Could, well, could, could what we've just seen be the amalgamation the finishing product of what those people those three told the story of spider-man for and just moving forward just going to start it over with something different it's very possible well he's i mean yeah. it is very possible thomas but said that we get away from 
the farther we get away from the movie, the more I feel that way. Like, right. Like they're like, you know what? Sony's going to work with Marvel and we're going to just put this out there to put a nice bow on this. Everybody loved it. And then we're going to come up with a different angle for this and, and incorporate it into the, the, the next, you know, phase for Marvel. Yeah. Well, Tom Everybody's- himself has been, sorry, Pat, I don't mean to cut you off. I was just saying, Tom's been very supportive of uh, bringing Miles in and getting and pulling Peter back away from things so that you can develop Miles Morales. So even he's kind of like of the opinion that, hey, maybe it's time to step back this variation of the character to push this one forward. And if they do that, then okay, yeah, then it makes sense. You know what these comments remind me a lot of? Honestly, they remind me a lot of Chris Evans uh, in the middle of his Marvel run talking about not wanting to do Captain America forever, rightfully so. And, and really that, that idea of, I think, and I think this is true for Tom Holland. You look at his, you look at the footage from uncharted. That's it in. Oh, I can't wait for that movie. Oh, it looks a lot of fun, but it's also like, I could see Tom Holland wanting to not always be the parkour action guy. And, like when you look at the when you look at the action set pieces for Uncharted, it, it looks a lot of parkour action stuff. That was what we did. That was his take on Spider Man and the way that he does. I mean, the kid could do standing flips. Like he would do that uh, much to the uh, much to the anxiety of producers when he would visit hospitals and do flips for kids. Uh, so yeah, but maybe- there's a lot of depth. There's a lot of depth to that character. That character has a very long history and his age is perfect for syncing up with that kind of pop culture. Right. I mean, I bet she's a huge fan of the series as well. Oh yeah. Not without a doubt. It's not so much that I think, but what I'm what I'm saying here is a Chris Evans was like, so like Chris Evans went and did Snowpiercer almost just straight up and knives out so that he could do things that got him away from Captain America. So like he didn't, he wasn't quite like Robert Downey Jr. at the point in his career where Robert Downey Jr. could basically do whatever the fuck he wanted, even even when he took on like he was he was a risk with Iron Man, but like he never couldn't do a, he he never I think people were never going to pigeonhole him into Tony Stark after he took roles as Tony Stark. And I think Chris Evans's big concern was that that was what was going to happen to him. And Tom Holland, he's young. Uh, and I could see part of that being like, look, yes, I want to get some of these other opportunities and they have, you know, there's conversations that haven't taken place, but as an actor, there's always that some, you know, for some actors, there's always that desire to also just sort of expand your horizons and do some different stuff. And I, and I think that might be part of it for him as well. Now, I don't know the guy, so, uh, I can't, I can't speak for him, but I, I get a lot of, I get that kind of vibe. It's hard to argue with what a lot of you're saying. That that being said, I still want him to be Peter Parker. Right. I don't know. I'd like a break. I'd like a break. I'd like a Miles Morales for a phase or something like that. Oh, I don't ever. I I, I should be clear. If if slash if slash when Peter Parker shows up in another movie, I want it to be played by Tom Holland. Like that's what I'm saying. Like no, I like Tom Holland as well. I I want him to continue to play the Peter Parker um, character. Yeah. What do they do for Miles? What do they? What do you think they do if they do bring in Miles Morales? As far as actor-wise, do they? You know, I mean, what direction do they go? There's a lot of different things they could do. That is a tough, tough question, and I don't know that I have a good answer. Dominic Mysterio? No, just kidding. Uh, That would be interesting. (laughs) That is too tall. Um, I don't know. I don't know who you pick 
for for that role right now, just off the top of my head. I don't, I don't have some good ideas. We'll have to think on that. And then when, when Ray comes back for the Ott project. Uh, I would love to, you know, who would be good? The kid who plays Kenny in uh in Cobra Kai season four for Miles. Oh, Morales. yeah, he'd be good. Yeah, that little kid, um, the eighth grader. He's probably older than eighth grade. That's a, that's a good call. That's a good call. Um, right. So I guess more on that as things develop, there's nothing, there's no real word on what's next for, for Spider-Man, um, in the MCU. And so I guess it's partially just kind of a wait and see thing. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, and I think that brings us to a perfect time to go into our next commercial break. Before we get to our recorded commercials, I do want to remind you that if you love what we do here on thechairshot.com, if you love our podcast and the work that we do, the best way to support us is to head over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash thechairshot and invest in a chair shot shirt. There are all kinds of great designs to choose from, and there's even one for this very podcast. That's right, kids. You could own a bandwagon nerd shirt if you head over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. Pick it up. And also, if you just love the brand, got all kinds of logos out there for you to choose from. Everything to do with the chairshot.com over at prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. Shirts are only $19.99, or if you're feeling fancy, want a little bit something nicer on your giblets and get yourself something in soft style. That's right. I, I touched the chest a little bit there. Um, I touched the giblets to make it, to, to give you that. Uh, Somebody cue, cue the vinyls, Tony. I touched myself. There, there you go. There you go. Um, anyway, that's just a few dollars more. We really appreciate all the support that comes from you all, whether it's listening to us, rating us, reviewing us, and of course, heading over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot and investing in our gear. When we come back, more news around the nerdosphere and a moment where I'm going to get on a little bit of a soapbox. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the chairshot.com. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. Dave, you know what I forgot to do? After the no. first commercial break, after, after ragging on The Mandalorian, I mean, Bo- the Book of Boba Fett, I... Forgot to announce that we were doing news around the Nerdosphere and didn't get music. So play some music right now. Thank you very much. Now now I feel like we're in it. I feel like we're back in it. And hey, you know, through the magic I- of post credit editing you'll never know the difference now damn it dave why did you have to kill the kayfabe on that moment like i get it's kayfabe monday here as we record this you're killing me smallest you wonder why i give you shit about you know the commercials I'll, I'll, I'll leave it i'll leave it out just just for you no no, no no cut it i love i love these lazy All saturdays homer it's wednesday it's wednesday uh you've been watching a lot of simpsons lately is that what's going on or you just is it just that ingrained in your DNA, the latter option B. Dan, 
Dan is a freaking Simpsons machine, by the way. We're we're up to season eight. Um, just got done watching the Poochie episode, which mm-hmm. yeah, Fuck so, yeah, Poochie's awesome. Poochie, well, and you think about it, the heavy hitter episodes that are back to back there because the first the episode right before it is uh, Mary Dobbins or whatever it is. It's like Mary Dobbins followed by the Poochie episode is two of the best episodes of the Simpsons ever back to back that, that season we're, we're you're right. What, in you're the, on season eight right now. Season eight. Yeah. Yeah. We, I always said like four through 12 are probably the best, like nine seasons in a row. It's, it's ridiculous how good these episodes are, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about some news. And this is one of my favorite things about what we do is very similar to when we talk about wrestling news, we get to add a Z to this latest article, because as I was trying to bring stuff up, I got the following message from the direct. Uh, when I went to click and talk about the possibility of a mighty Thor project, I got, Oh no, a problem has recurred. Click here, return to the homepage. That means this article got taken the fuck down, which means this article was not true. So the rumor, we're still going to speculate on it because I think that's fun. But the rumor was that Natalie Portman uh, was going to be in talks for her own Thor film based on the Mighty Thor franchise of comics. And I was all for it. I was ready to go. I was like, yes, let's give Natalie Portman cancer so that she has to fight off. Die. Oh, yeah. D- Tony, you're not familiar with the story. Yeah. Um, yes. Jane Foster has cancer. And every time she uses the the uh the every time she calls down the power of thor and becomes the mighty thor and makes things worse and she's like terminal and slowly dying it's a whole thing and um i was ready for that storyline because if natalie portman dies in a movie i'm okay with it (laughs) no press no precedent for that right dave i mean she seems a little cocky and outrageous in her one commercial on the beach where she's screaming at you and wearing some weird bandana but i mean i wouldn't kick her out of bed for it i do love her saturday night live work well it's saturday night live those but those music videos were oh like yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, ex- shit, yeah. oh for sure the, yeah that stuff is yes, fucking yes. brilliant dave mighty thor story would you be down for a mighty thor story jane foster has cancer Sorry, I, I know there's more to it than Jane Foster has cancer, know, but like that's you know Donald Blake is, is is you know crippled and Jane Foster has cancer, so that's kind of the where 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 they go with this. I mean, I think it'd be a good story to tell. I don't know if a lot of people would accept it, just because there's a lot of people out there who don't want for whatever reason. Like my wife, who is a woman, will not accept a female Thor. She's like, nope, that's not my Thor. Uh, so, you know, I, I think I think she's not alone in that. There is a lot of people who aren't going to be able to get around the preconceived. This is what I'm used to. I don't want to see something different, so I'm not going to watch it. But I think it, there's a good story to be told with the Mighty Thor and, and the Jane Foster aspect of things. Sure. Do people need to get past this mentality? Because is Or is this going to pose a problem to Marvel? As we've talked about establishing new heroes. This idea of that's not my Thor, because I, I don't know. And, and, you know, you guys talked about the Eternals last week um, and how it's doing so well, well on streaming. I, I guess the real question is, how much do you fall in love with the idea of a multiverse and characters not being completely identical, but being connected in different ways? 
I mean, I love that idea. I'm looking forward to the multiverse of madness, for example. Like I, I'm, I'm ready for this. Right, but I mean, if you can wrap your head around like people being slightly different and put in different packages uh, in, in different multiverses, but yet being the same character, you can wrap your head more easily around a female Thor. Right, and, and the difference here is, is that it's not that because this the, these Thors exist in the same universe at the same time this isn't an, a variant or a, an alternate though we could see that like through multiversal stuff jane foster takes up the hammer when thor um is unworthy like if i do recall like that's how she ends up taking it up is like thor becomes unworthy again loses his powers um no, I, I am aware of the story. I was just saying you can easily wrap your head around it. You know what I mean? Of someone taking the place or the mantle of a certain essence or being. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, that's not my Thor. Well, you know what? At the time, it's fucking Thor. It's everybody's Thor. So, you know, that's the end of the end of the story. Well, yeah. It's not, yeah. Like, it's not like Thor's not going to be there either. Like, Thor's going to be part of the show. Right. This is, this is a, a, it's a, it's a, it's a bigger issue and it ties into stuff we've talked about with other characters like, you know, will people accept a black Superman? Will people ex- accept right. a gay Superman? Um, sure. you know, that sort of thing. It, it right or wrong. And, you know, you, yeah, there should be broadening of people's perspectives and, and sensitivities. Um, there's a lot of people who just like, I, you know, I don't change bothers me. I don't want to accept change. It, it it's intimidating to me. So yeah, we reject change. Exactly. Um, and, and, and you, you know, whether it's right or wrong, you can understand where they're coming from with that sort of thing. So I think, you know, there's a story to be told here, whether it's going to resonate on a, on a broad enough spectrum to, to make it successful. Cause honestly, I think people were going to accept better Ray bill, a horse Thor quicker than they're going to accept the female Thor at this point. <laughs> That's true. Well, and, and he gets his own hammer. He gets a different yes. hammer. Um, he he does carry Mjolnir for a while, but he does prove worthy, and he, you know gets his own his own hammer and runs around space. And we could still get a Beta Ray Bill at some point. Oh, like I that's not the table. I would not be surprised to see him in in what is the new one? Love and Thunder is that what it's going to be called? Right. Yeah, I I I'm almost well, expecting him in there. Right. So. We'll we'll see. Um, I, I think audiences will be receptive to it if it's told in the right way. Um, it's I'm just happy that the relationship. Evil Las Vegas. <laughs> I'm just I'm just happy that the relationship between Natalie Portman and the MCU has been repaired because there was a time she wouldn't come back. And and I you know I make fun of Natalie Portman. I don't think she's a terrible actress by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, she's won an Oscar for fuck's sake. Um, but people, and part of it was her, but her relationship with like one of the second director, if I recall, really soured her towards doing another Marvel film, though she was gracious. And, and it was the her being gracious enough to allow her, her image, her likeness and old footage from the, the second Thor film to be used uh, and her and her voice like her voice is recorded. Uh, but she actually didn't do any acting. Uh, she didn't film those scenes at the time that they filmed uh, Endgame. She was just, um, it was old footage that they included of her from from Thor The Dark World. So I think The Dark back. World pissed off a lot of us, though. <laughs> Not just her. 
Right. But I mean, if you go back and you read some of the interviews she did uh, after after that and that split, and she was like, I ain't coming back. Like, you got to tip your cap to Kevin Feige for for rebuilding that relationship. Yeah. It, no. it's, it, like you said, if the story's told right, I, I think. And, and, you know, having Valkyrie is going to take up the mantle, supposedly, in the next Thor, and that's going to kind of get the wheels in motion for people to kind of look at that whole mythology a little bit differently. So we'll we'll see what they do with that. Right. All right. So let's go on to a rumor that hasn't been taken down from the interwebs yet. And this is coming from Heroic Hollywood. Again, thank you, Ray Cash. Uh, But word on the street is that Warner Brothers slash DC is looking to get rolling with Joker 2 sometime in 2023. Plot details are being kept quiet now joaquin phoenix is one of the most enigmatic actors out there ever um has everybody here seen joker did everybody everybody watch that movie okay so tony hasn't so dave i'll I'll throw this at you what story are you telling with joker too because there's 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 because there's a lot of different schools of thought there's even a question as to whether whatever happened actually happened um there's yeah, questions well aware of what they did, though. Right. You, there's questions of what, whether Joaquin Phoenix was playing the guy who will become the Joker, or does he inspire the actual Joker? What do you, what do you, what do you want out of a sequel? Is is there a place for a sequel? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. know. It's kind of back and forth on the movie itself. Yeah, I think the the first one was a variation on the Joker's origin story, which really had not been told yet. Like you said, if that really was the Joker, but I I would say that the sequel, my guess would be that this time around it is tied into the Batman because you get that interaction with him and Bruce in the first one, very br- albeit very briefly, and I I would I would want to see what happens with the Batman, you know, coming up in March as to whether there's any thread thrown out there that might tie into bringing the Joker into that universe. Um, I could see them doing that. Otherwise, yeah, I don't know. The only other story that would make a lot of sense that would that people would want to see because we've already seen the batshit craziness that was in the first one. Maybe maybe something involving him and Harley, you know, something a little bit deeper, exploring that in a darker, a darker way like they did in, in the first Joker. But really, beyond that, I, you know, unless they want to do like a killing joke sort of thing and have Batman already established and go in a direction like that. I'm not sure the way that movie ended and the stuff that was, that happened in there. And, and, you know, they've got, you know, they had such a lot of backlash from people in the mental health community who just despised that movie and how it portrayed people with mental illness. So they're, they're at a tough spot as to, you know, do we go and tie this into Batman or do we try and tell a story, maybe something original that hasn't been told before. Tony, what about you? I I would like to see the story told as to where that wasn't the Joker. And we see what happens and how that kind of inspiration affects the change in the actual Joker, you know, who turning him into that and why he's taking inspiration from this. Right. And that kind of gives me like Joaquin Phoenix, even more lore as far as the character and the role he just played. Right. He's not the Joker, but, that's where it came from. And he's that, you know what I'm saying? 
Right, right, right. Like you could see younger Joker carry out Joaquin Phoenix mannerisms in a way that, oh wow, like it, it Joaquin Phoenix isn't the Joker, but it's clear without Joaquin Phoenix and the way he was. Or they could. There is no joke. It's could. a like it's like creating you're creating a rub for another actor, right? Yeah. Someone unknown takes over this role, and you're like, oh, that was perfect the way they transitioned this. That's an amazing story. Or they could Dallas the whole thing, Pat, and make the first movie a big fucking dream, and then have the second movie the impact on that and how he actually does become the Joker. I mean, here here's the thing. I, I want to go back to something you mentioned, Dave. I don't think it has to tie to the Batman at all. Because if you go back and watch that movie, if if they didn't use Gotham characters like names, that movie stands on its own as its own individual flick. And Gotham City and the 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 DC Batman lore is very, very it's it's very much minimalized. Honestly, if you go back and look like Thomas Wayne is a dick. Like that's that's part of it. Um but like there's it's not your typical Batman. And I actually don't know that it makes a ton of sense for this iteration of what they're doing with the character to tie in with Matt Reeves movie. Like, I, I just, I don't know that it fits even with the tone that they've established in the trailers that we've seen so far with, for the Batman, which, you know, coming, coming in March, we'll be probably writing a nerd review about it when we go and watch it. Um, so I, I don't know that it needs to be that. I just and, and the problem is, is if it's not connected to a greater Gotham, then then what 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 is the story you're telling? And so right now it's just a it's it is a rumor. You know, it's it's a target. We haven't heard anything about a script. We haven't heard about anything about a director. We haven't heard anything about Joaquin Phoenix being on board. We haven't heard any of this stuff yet. So this could all be a big nothing burger. Uh, I do know that the movie was very popular. Um, I do know that the movie did very, very well and that people thought Joaquin Phoenix should have been nominated for an Oscar and won it. So he did, didn't he? He didn't. Did he win the Oscar? I think he did. Did he win it for Joker? Really? Yeah. I mean, I know he did. I thought he did. I, I am DBing that while you talk. Go ahead. Keep talking. Oh, I, I, I thought, I thought he got the Oscar for that. I did, but well, or was was it? Or was that? Yeah, he did. Best actor, Joker. He did? Huh. Yeah, he's got four. He has best actor for the Joker, best actor for the Master in 2013, best actor for Walk the Line. I knew that he did Johnny Cash 2006. And he had best supporting actor in Gladiator as well. Yeah, he was, he's really got tremendous rage. He was great in that role. He's great in those, those, he's great in that, that um, helpless heel role, right? Thumbs down, right. thumbs downing people. It's <laughs> just great. Oh, I haven't watched that movie in forever. It's it's one of my favorites. Uh, great um, movie. It is. It's one of those you know, just let let historical accuracy step aside. And you're fine. Yeah. But you, you but, think uh, about his performance in the Joker. It's, 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 I would expect nothing less than a comment like that to ruin <laughs> a great movie like Gladiator. It's like, oh my god. So you know, you know, Dave, you know what Patrick's perfect night out is, right? He goes to dinner and there's one thing wrong. So at least there's something to bitch about, but everything else was great. I, I take a lot of pride in just taking it down a peg, but here's the, here's the, the thing. floating in my water. 
You're talking. You're talking to a guy who owns not only the original soundtrack to that movie, but also owns the second volume soundtrack movie, which included like clips and um, moments from the movie interspersed into the orchestral mu- move, uh, orchestral music. I own it. I watch it. I love it. I make it. Yeah, it's just not how that shit went down. I'm sorry. Like that's just the way it goes. And since I'm already preachy, let's move on to our last <laughs> subject and wrap up the way that we should. Because I want to talk about something that's, and I understand that this is not a fun topic to talk about, but. For me, it's a very important and necessary topic to talk about, and that is this week news dropped that a Tennessee school board has removed the Holocaust graphic novel Mouse from its curriculum. It's a it's a work written by Art Spiegelman and has largely been considered by critics and educators one of the foremost ways to teach young people about the Holocaust. And it is a autobiographical graphic novel written by Spiegelman about his father and his father's experience in Germany, in the camps, in concentration camps. And it's, I own it. I own both volumes. It's a phenomenal piece of work. It is why I will argue with anybody who says that graphic novels can't be literature. It's because of works like this. It's because of works like Walter Bashir. It's any of those, any of those sorts of things. And Tennessee's bullshit reason for taking this out of the curriculum is because of objectionable language and nudity. And I personally, and, and I mean, I, I was an English major in college. Uh, literature and art and what we talk about, like we talk about a lot of fun stuff on this show, but this is dangerous. And this isn't the only place where this is happening. I, I in, in learning about this story, I also learned about a, um, a mayor in a Mississippi town, I want to say, that is withholding over $100,000 in funding from its public library over material that um teaches about uh lgbt issues why and it says that that is objectionable material and should not be in a public library um comic books for those of you who don't know and and, uh, and i'm sure that most of the folks who've listened have had a long-standing history with censorship and battling censorship there is there's a, a joke amongst writers about what the comic book code used to be back in the, that was created in the forties and fifties um, that in order to be published, you had to get this seal put on your comic in order for it to be published and sold. And it's very concerning to me when anybody politically is trying to stifle art and literature based on it making you feel icky or uncomfortable. And that, and that's really like, when you look at something like mouse, when you look at some of these other books, that's what it does is it makes people feel uncomfortable and, and they don't want to, and they don't want to do anything about it. And if you don't want your child to, to, to read or 
pursue that. That's your right to do, but it's not your right to prevent others from being able to do it if they want to. Like, I want my kid to know about this stuff because this is a, this is erasure of a history. And and that's that's horrible, that's dangerous, and leads you down a very, very bad path. So that's my brief soapbox moment. I will hand it over to either Tony or Dave to comment as well. Tony is pointing at Dave. So go. So isn't this the only... Isn't this the only graphic novel that's won a Pulitzer? Yes. Okay. So that tells you right off the bat that this is not some, you know, half-cocked bullshit graphic novel that only deals with superheroes and, and has nothing to do with, like, real-world issues. So that's that's first complaint. Also, you know, it's funny you bring up the, the 2000s project because I, I go back, I was listening back to the old the nineties project. And Pat, do you remember what your best drama of all time was for the nineties? Um, Schindler's list. Wasn't that's it? right. That's right. Which is an appropriate topic of conversation here because here, you know, Ray, when we got to Schindler's list a year, roughly a year ago or so, uh, it's a movie that Ray and I won't watch for our own personal reasons. We sure. all, we both felt it's a movie that should be watched as did you and, and Tunny had both seen it and felt it's a movie that has significant historical aspects to it and overtones and something that should be watched. And, and here, here's my thing. And and I I might even be a little bit stronger than you on, on a few things here, Pat, uh, because of what this is, is depicting and the personal nature of the Holocaust to me and to my family. And my take on this is that this is some backwards ass fucking school board in Tennessee who is worried about their kids in their school looking at objectionable material with offensive language and nudity depicted as mice, no less, not people. And meanwhile, every single kid who probably goes to that school or a school in that school district sees far worse shit than that every single day on YouTube. And yet you're going to come here and sit there and say, we are going to remove this from the curriculum because of whatever stupid reason you've got. And, and you're taking away kids' ability to learn about one of the most horrific events in modern human history. Or I take that back, in human history, period. You want to go and take and take this away from the kids because you know if you, if you don't learn from your history, then you're doomed to repeat it. And you've seen that repeatedly through history itself. Uh, it, it is it is a dangerous position to take. It, it is no different than some of these people who are out there saying climate change is bullshit or COVID is all a fucking hoax or any other dangerous sort of mass propaganda that you're trying to say. And you have your political opinions all you want. Stand on whatever hill you want. But when you're trying to take stuff away and, and do it in a way that kids who were, who need to learn about this because these are our future leaders and you want to shield them away from something that's this important. Um, then you're just fucking assholes. And, you know, and, and I mean, in the word is suicide and it's going to be on the outro music. I'll tell you guys right now, this first time I've ever told you what the outro music to one of these things song by suicidal tendencies called you can't bring me down near the end of the song. They go off on stuff like people having opinions that are just such full of shit. And the guy basically says, and this is my message to anybody who supports this kind of nonsense is like, if I offended you, Oh, I'm sorry, but maybe you need to be offended. And here's my apology. And Oh, one more thing. Fuck you. 
There you go. And and just to take this a step further, um, and so like Mouse is the one that's making the headlines right now because, like you said, it's a Pulitzer Prize winning novel. It is like it is a foundation of teaching about the Holocaust, especially to young children. But I just for funsies within the last year, some of the some of the graphic novels that people have advocated for getting banned in different places. Um, why the last man was challenged in California for sexual content. Um, Watchmen gets challenged every year. Uh, a, a work called This One Summer, uh, exploring issue, issues of sexuality. Tank Girl, which is one of the most brilliant feminist comics out there, graphic novels. Persepolis, another one that talks about war-torn countries uh, and the effect on, um, on women. Um, Sandman, Neil Gaiman's The Sandman has been has been protested for, and this is what's nuts: anti-family themes. The whole fucking book is about family. Like if you read that, it is about Sandman and family. Um, the other one that I see a lot is unsuited for age group, which is just code for. We're scared our children are going to get heebie-jeebie evil ideas and do terrible things. Uh, I just go, go read preacher sometimes for the for the religious well, aspect of things. It, well, what's really and this is the thing is a lot of these protests and complaints and the things that they are complaining about, whether it's sexuality, violence, murder, uh, just all these terrible things. They're, they're all coming from, most of the time, a conservative Christian standpoint. But a lot of the things that they're talking about, that they're wanting to take these books off the shelves for, can be found in another book that never gets banned. Dave, do you know what book that is? Tony, do you know what book that is? What book is that? Uh, I'm going to guess the Bible. It would be the Bible. So... Where, where does it stop? And I don't usually do slippery slope arguments, and this is a slippery slope argument. But when you start pulling books off shelves because they make you feel weird, you're putting yourself into a world of Fahrenheit 451. And if you don't know what that is, go read that band book because Ray Bradbury right now is looking like a fucking prophet. All right. That's all I got on this topic. We're going to move into Patrick's pitch. This week's Patrick's Pitch is for both of you. So, as I was sitting around thinking about today's rundown, and I, and I was thinking about ways to do some fun, different stuff on the show, and, and it was doing this while watching the Royal Rumble, uh, uh, which is always a good time. You get your thinking cap on during the wrestling. One of my favorite moments in the Royal Rumble and in wrestling in general is when you hear... The entrance, whether it's music or whatever. And so what I would like for the two of you to do and of, uh, today and, and where, where I started thinking about this is I thought I started thinking about your monikers and your nicknames that we have on the show and actually was trying to think of good movie quotes or movie lines that would be great intro lines for each of your characters. For example, for Dave, I went right to a few good men. Like, I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Like the lawyer, David Ungar. Everybody, of course, knows Ray's entrance line. I mean, it's it's not hard. Like there's music, it's perfect. 
And Ray's not here to pitch what what his would or actually the other one I thought of for the Reverend Ray Cash is uh, James Brown um, as the Reverend in Blues Brothers yelling, "Do you see the light?" to Jim Belu- or John Belushi. Uh, I thought that would be a good one. But gentlemen, take a couple of seconds today. Your pitch to me is what if you could have for your introduction. If I were to introduce you guys with some sort of lead-in play, what I, would uh, in play be? Go ahead. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll let Dave think for a little bit longer, and I will pull back the curtain on the PC Tunny character a little bit for everybody right here on Bandwagon Nerds. So exclusive on DWI. On, so pretty much every part of the PC Tunny character is pulled from somewhere at some point. Um, like we've discussed before, Total BS on Pod DWI Trivia comes from Mad Dog uh, or Bulldog on Frasier. And he would say that all the time. Total BS. That's where that comes from. So the open for DWI podcast where I am the your commissioner and the commissioner of the United States of the Americas. That comes from Ric Flair. When he looks into the camera on WCW Nitro and says, don't tell me what camera to look at. I'm the president of the United States. Nice. Not very interesting to a lot of people, but to some people, they may like that little curtain pullback. Dave, have I provided ample time for you to come up with yours? (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so clarify this again. What, what exactly am I looking for here? So if I were to, if I were to play you in with say like a movie quote or something with kind of the persona and character you carry, and I mean, and I could imagine it like with you, it could be something from Goodfellas or The Godfather. Like I said, with the lawyer bit, I totally went. Uh, you can't handle the truth from from a few good men. But what would your like if you could pick one? What oh. would you, that is that shit. Is, I thought my microphone was off. <laughs> <laughs> that would be yeah. it. What Tony did right there, that would be that would be my lead in. There you go. Uh, you know, I would. <laughs> there's a line in I think. Um, can you ever seen Kentucky Fried Movie? I own Kentucky Fried Movie, my friend. So, so the courtroom scene where the guy says, you know, not only will I show you relevance, I will show you how these facts relate to the case. That would probably be my lead in for that. <laughs> I could tell you my walk-up music in one league I played in for softball, a team I played with for one season. A um, bunch of good guys, fun time. They One guy would bring a karaoke machine, and he would ask everybody, what would you like for your walk-up music? And this is fucking men's softball rec league, right? Mine was, uh, why can't we be friends? Very nice. Excellent, excellent choice. Uh, I love that. I always love it in a comedy when it's played during a fight, because that's when it should be played. Uh, more Simpsons. I need to find music, the Dredd Eric Tatum's fight, the world championship fight. So let's, let's flip this. Cause I, I, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to pitch myself, pitch me on me. What curmudgeon sort of thing. Cause something from grumpy old men makes a lot of sense. Um, for that, that would say some Odenkirk ref, um, line from something. True. I'd probably go with Mr. Show from Bob with Bob and David, which by the way, HBO max, look it up. Mr. Show with Bob and David, Bob Odenkurt and um, Dave, I can't I forget his name. Um, I from, uh, Arrested De- from Arrested Development, yes. right? Yeah. Right. Uh, Cross. David Cross. David Cross, yes, that's what it is. 
You could but, be you could be Burgess Meredith the, and grumpy old fucking, men telling us to mount the woman or else send her out to you. What are you having for dinner, Dad? I, a bacon sandwich. David Cross down with three beers and a couple cigarettes. That's funny. Uh, David Cross and Rest of Development may just it just made me think of him being in the Blue Man Group and always wearing the uh, jean shorts underneath everything. A never nude. He was a never nude. And don't forget, there's always money in the banana stand. Absolutely. All right, Dave. I, I came up with one uh, suggestion for a Ray Cash. What what would what would be a good pitch for Ray Cash as a as a uh, as a leading quote? Like I said, I got I got James Brown from the Blues Brothers. The uh, Harry Connick Jr. in Independence Day, where he's imitating the Reverend right before they take uh, off uh, to uh, fight the uh, aliens. On this particular mission, I do not know. That's it. That, that's a good call. That's a good call. All right, Tony, before we get out of here, do you have any suggestions for a Ray Cash walk-in or lead-in? Oh, oh man. I, I'd have to think about it. we got to find a good Fern Gully line. That's what we need to do. Ooh, there we go. Are yeah, there good Fern Gully, Fern Gully lines? Gully. Oh, sorry. Sorry, oh, Ray. Oh, boy. No, we got problems. Here, here we go. So next week, we start the Ott Project. I'm really looking forward to it. We're catching up on, like, current times though like we're, we're going to be looking at movies that are only about 20 years old uh i don't know how many more projects we got in us like this with decades because we may have to go backwards we have to do dave's stupid 70s project uh, i mean <laughs> it's great awesome wonderful idea of a 70s project <laughs> i want to do the 70s project we'll do the 70s project it'll happen we'll go back in time uh this ought to be great for ray this will be right in ray's wheelhouse too can we call it that 70s project that's there you go pull that out of there anyway um so everybody look forward to that because that's what we're going to start next week as we kill time in this dead movie period february is the worst for movies it's like shitty horror movies that nobody had any faith and apparently some romantic comedy that peacock really wanted us to know is debuting with uh, jennifer lopez and owen wilson that was a lot of commercials uh every i still want peacock to say coming soon to the cock you know, that would be, uh, that'd be worth yeah, the don't, price of admission. Yeah, I don't see that happening, but you know, we'll, we'll get it out there to their marketing department and see if it, if it goes, if it gets over. Yeah. Get your cock on. Yeah, that's not going to happen either. What is going to happen sure. right now though, what is going to happen now though, is we are going to wrap this show up. Uh, but before we get out of here, why don't we tell everybody where they can find us out there in the nerdosphere and the interwebs, starting with a giggling PC Tony. Uh, take a look at this cock. Um, you can follow me at PC Tony on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, just a little announcement, DWI podcast. We have just committed to three and a half years of content. We will be covering Seinfeld one episode at a time, one week at a time. It is on Netflix. We will be starting next week with episode one, season one, the pilot. That's right. So the show about nothing comes to the podcast pretty much about nothing. So wait a second. So you're doing both Peacemaker and Seinfeld now? Pot is War is Peacemaker. Oh, Pot is War is Peacemaker. You're just covering all the shows now. Look at that. A lot of fucking irons in the fire, my friend. I can see that. Dave, where can they follow you? I I think we should do a separate show starting with the first episode of Brady Bunch and just, you know, fuck it. Why not? Oh, Jesus Christ. Why do you hate people? (laughs) Here's a story of a man called David. How he drug Patrick O'Dowd along. 
Patrick O'Dowd is not watching the Brady Bunch. Both of them were appearing on the cock. Okay. Anyway, uh, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> at Attitude Ag. It is at Attitude A-G-G and on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. Oh, and you can follow me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. Also, make sure that you get over and follow the show on Twitter as well, at Bandwagon Nerds. Nothing fancy there. We have a poll up today. Well, it started yesterday. Kayfabe K-Fabe Monday. Uh, most underrated Marvel superhero um, make sure that you vote on that poll. And if you don't like our options, then jump on and make a suggestion. We have had our first suggestion, gentlemen, and it's a good one. Yeah, that's, uh, uh, that's my nephew again. Causing problems. But it's a good suggestion. It uh, he suggested Squirrel Girl, who I left off. And I got to say, let's give a tip of the cap to Ray Cash, who voted for Daredevil, but then posted an image of another underrated superhero talking about how great Daredevil is in Luke Cage. So well played, Raymond Cashington the Third Esquire. I just can't you can't go wrong with that. And um, you know what? You know what? I think he's earned it. I think he's earned it. And that's for Ray Cash. And on that note, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Make sure you get yourself out of the basement, get yourself some sun, and head over to the poll and vote them up. Find your favorite underrated Marvel character and make sure they get the love they deserve. You have been listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. I'm sure she got out of here before it happened. Or, as the good reverend would say, why we on this particular mission, we'll never know. But I do know here today that the Black Knights will emerge victorious once again. Amen, man. Amen, reverend. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.